0: Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross, and it is time for a preview of Wimbledon 2022. I will give you dark horses, upset alerts, early popcorn matchups, quarterfinal previews, final weekend preview, and a prediction for who will lift the trophy at the end of this great fortnight, the third major of the year. Arguably the biggest event of the calendar. Now, there are some circumstances this year. No Russian or Belarusian players due to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. No rankings points will be awarded as a result of the response by the tours um, to that Russian and Belarusian ban. Uh, I do think that these things will uh, will not get in the way of this being an incredibly entertaining and rewarding event for fans and and um, and players, players who are able to compete at least, uh, because at the end of the day, you um, once these athletes get on the court and begin competing for the ultimate prize, uh, I, I'm confident that the, these things will fade into the distance. With that being said, when we look back at the rankings at the end of the year, it is certainly going to be noticeable that whatever we see over the course of the next two weeks are not going to be reflected in those rankings. And and that will will certainly be something that will have uh, lasting effects. That aside, let's get into this quarter-by-quarter preview, Um, beginning with the top seed, Novak Djokovic. He's not world number one, but he is the number one seed. And he will be very... Anxious to pick up his first major of 2022, here's what he'll contend with in his quarter. And I'm going to change the way that I read the seeds. Normally, I do it by how high a seed uh, they, you know, the the players are. But I'm actually going to do it by section this time. So, Djokovic is in a section with Riley Opelka, Nicholas Basilevski, and Miamir Kecmanovic. On the bottom section is Carlos Alcaraz, with Yannick Sinner, John Isner, and Oscar Atta. My uh, overall impressions of this quarter is uh, is that the, the middle seeds, you know, Sinner, Opelka, Isner, basilishvili and uh, there should be Atta, by the way, in there. Um, Atta and Ketsmanovic, I think those, those are fairly strong, you know, low seeds. But, uh, man, there, there are not a lot of players who I feel great about. You know, there are not a lot of players who I think, you know, that I would put above 80% chance that they make round three. Uh, there are a lot of question marks there. I'll get more into them in a moment, okay? Let's move on, um, and I will share first my Dark Horses. Uh, Andy Murray slash James Duckworth. They play in the first round. That's why I said slash instead of comma, which would mean or, okay? Uh, but look, Andy, there's a lot to, to like, obviously, about Murray as a, you know, former Wimbledon champion, someone who will have the support of the crowd, someone who moves very well on the grass. Someone who has a fantastic return-of-serve edge, traditionally, on these grass courts. Uh, Someone whose best weapon, not biggest weapon, still the forehand, even for Murray, but best weapon, relatively. Uh, The backhand is more effective on grass. He gets more penetration through the court. And I think the advantage that he has backhand to backhand is uh, accentuated on grass. So many things to like about Andy Murray's grass court game. Um, Including, by the way, the way he serves, uh, hitting primarily slice serve. These things are all great. We know that he's had a great career on grass. But it also feels like a good moment for Andy Murray. He reconnects with Yvonne Lendl, and he takes a break. And he has a training block in Florida with Lendl. I think that's exactly what he needed. He just needed a reset. He needed a kind of a fresh start. And he got that. And then he comes back and he makes the Stuttgart final and loses to to Matteo Berrettini. All, you know, all positive signs, all good things for Murray. And there's a lot to like coming into this Wimbledon. The only thing that you don't like is that there are questions about his health. He had to pull out of Queens uh, because of uh, an issue he's dealing with from an injury standpoint. And that is something to keep an eye on. Uh, but I also think his first-round opponent deserves a shout-out, deserves some respect. James Duckworth had a resurgent 2021. It was the first year in a, in a long time that he was fully healthy, playing pain-free. This is a guy who's gone through eight surgeries in his career and make that nine after uh, 2022. Uh, where he he's been injured again, and he's had a brutally difficult year. But uh, when when Duckworth is firing, he's got a really good serve for his for his height. He is a, a a net rusher. His backhand is extremely offensive and flat. It's great on grass and and any low bouncing surfaces. It's good indoors. He is uh an, ex- an extremely aggressive player who really loves to to be in control and finish points quickly. And, and he loves the grass. He made round three last year at Wimbledon. So uh, I don't know what the state of his game is. He did pick up a, a couple of wins on the grass. But again, he's not having a good year. I just think that he's the kind of player um, who is certainly good enough at his best, who, who deserves some uh, respect and a shout-out here as a dark horse playing Andy Murray in round one. My upset alert is Nicholas basile Not the most consistent guy in the world. He actually is losing round two recently, not round one. So that's improvement for uh, Basilashvili. But he's uh, below 500 for his career on the grass. Uh, it's much better for Basilashvili when he actually has more time on the ball uh, to load up his strokes. He also doesn't have a very good serve, especially for the prototype of a player who likes to be as aggressive as Basilashvili. And he draws Lucas Rosol. In round one. Who qualified? Rasol hasn't played a main draw at a slam in a very long time. He's 36 years old. I had completely forgotten about him, to be completely honest. But you got to think for a guy like Rassol, who has a big serve, who beat Thiago Ciboff, uh Wild or veiled. I think it's technically veiled, But I don't know if people actually call him that or not. Um, him. And uh, Christopher Eubanks. Two players I, I really respect. Beat them both in straight sets in qualifying. Uh, you got to think for Rassal, for this is like his Super Bowl. And he's going to be really jacked up and focused. And for Basilashvili, this is not his Super Bowl. So that's the upset alert. Uh, but as I mentioned, I have questions about some other players here. Yannick Sinner. Yannick Sinner uh, has really struggled in his young career on grass. He has been, um, he's only played one match since Roland Garros after retiring at, at RG to Rublev with the the knee injury. So I don't know if he was planning on playing more tournaments, uh, but the knee kept him out. I think that's probably the case if I were to guess. Uh, but he came back at Eastbourne, lost first round to Tommy Paul. So he doesn't have a win uh, coming into Wimbledon. His career record on grass is now 0 2. So Sinner's got nothing really going for him in in the sense of momentum. And look, I don't think that he's going to go his career being a terrible player on grass, but I certainly don't think it's going to be a surface that, you know, helps him, makes him, you know, elevates his game. I don't think that either. So ultimately, it's hard to feel great about Sinner. Uh, Then you have Opelka and Isner. Opelka and Isner, I have questions about their motivation, like, I just think the, the things that they've been saying, I think they're harboring quite a bit of resentment about Wimbledon's decision making. You know, they are highly opinionated people, uh, and they're not the kinds of players who show up week to week to week with the same level of focus and motivation. Uh, I think they deeply resent the ATP's decision about rankings points. I think they deeply resent Wimbledon. Wimbledon's decisions about Russian and Belarusian players. And I think for those reasons, not that they're in great form either, I think for those reasons, you have to question their ability to go deep at this event as well. Uh, look, I, ref- I respect Miomir Kecmanovic. I respect both Oscar Atta and Atta's opponent, uh, Peter Gajavchak, who's not to be underlooked at, at Wimbledon either. Uh, but ultimately, there is no one here who I am eager to pick against when it comes to the top seeds, Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz. So my quarterfinal prediction, oh, and by the way, early popcorn, Sinner versus Vavrinka round one. That's going to be fun. That's intriguing. Absolutely. I'm all in on that. Um, Vavrinka's looking a lot better, by the way. He's looking healthier. I thought his win against Tiafo in Queens was outstanding. Best I've seen him play in a very long time. So I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah, my quarterfinal. It's going to be Djokovic defeats Alcaraz. Um, as I said in my power rankings, I'm, I'm optimistic about Alcaraz at Wimbledon, generally speaking. Look, I see a player with really nice, compact stroke production, Takes the ball early, is offensively minded. You know, has every offensive tool you could possibly want. In addition to that, fantastic variety. Um, you know, these things these things pay dividends on grass. I mean, I understand that there's development to go on his serve, um, but. And and there's inexperience. And inexperience is the the biggest thing that you would dock Alcaraz on. And uh, believe me, I am docking him on that. But I I still think he'll make the quarterfinal. Uh, Djokovic as well. I am um, fairly confident of of Novak, who's won four out of the last six Wimbledons. He's won the last three Wimbledons. And uh, there is uh, nobody here who I think he will be particularly fearful of. You know, there are... There, there are not a lot of guys who I think he doesn't care to see at Wimbledon um, that aren't top seeds, but, you know, I think he, he's glad to not see RBA to name one, but I think it's very difficult to name guys who, like, he's really hoping not to see at, at an event like this. But certainly I don't think there's anybody in, in his quarter who I would put in that category. I mean, ultimately, you know... Ultimately, I think it's a really positive draw for Djokovic. When it comes to Djokovic versus Alcaraz, look, I think there's a big uh, serve return edge for Novak, and I don't think Alcaraz has the baseline consistency to to make up for that and to dominate Djokovic uh, from the baseline. I think that the kick-serve advantage that we saw, or the kick-serve weapon that we saw Alcaraz feature prominently in Madrid, I mean, it was the main tactic that allowed him to beat Djokovic in that match is Novak just couldn't figure out a way to win a point on the ad side off of Alcaraz's kick serve out wide. Uh, We know that on grass that looks completely different with Alcaraz not getting nearly the same kind of bounce off the court that he uh, would get in Madrid at Wimbledon. It wouldn't be close and uh, so I want to throw in that tactical nugget but for many reasons I favor Djokovic. In um, in that matchup, so Djokovic to the semifinals. Let's move on to Casper Ruud's quarter. Casper Ruud, the number three seed, um, coming off the Roland Garros final, however, yet to to win on grass. Lost in his first round at Queens against Ryan Peniston. And uh, I ignore the exhibitions, but for whatever it's worth, he lost to uh, uh, Zizo or Zizou Bergs. In, in the exhibition round two. I, I don't care about that, actually. I, I regret saying that, to be honest, because I don't care what happens in these exhibitions. Anyway, um, let's take a look at this quarter. Um Kasper Rood has... Who's his top seed here? I guess it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. It's Pablo Carreño-Busta. Okay, Caspar Rude has... Pablo Carreño Busta, um, Francis Tiafo, and Sebastian Baez. Then on the bottom, you have Hubert Hurkacz. Hurkacz has Dimitrov, Nori. Um, no, so he has Nori, Dimitrov, and Tommy Paul. All right? Uh, this quarter is super unbalanced, like really, really unbalanced, because I think Hercotch's section is is loaded. I think it's stacked. I think that Rude's section is probably the weakest in the entire draw. All right, we'll get more into it. Um, my dark horse here is Adrian Manorino. I, I gave strong consideration to David Goffin also, but I just wanted to choose one. I went with Manorino. Uh, look, Manorino, I loved what I saw from him in, in January, um, and February on the, you know, in Australia and on the quick indoor hard courts. I just thought he was playing great tennis throughout, uh, those events, um, and he always goes away during clay court season. You know, he's just a non-factor because his game gives him no chance to have any success, not only on clay, but even on slow courts. Like, even in Miami and Indian Wells, he just has no chance to do well. Uh, but as soon as the bounce gets really low again and he's, he's on these, you know, low bouncing and ideally for him quicker surfaces, uh, he becomes a big factor again with his lefty slice serves with his extraordinarily flat, but deep and precise hitting, his ability to change direction. Uh, Manorino is a a very, very dangerous player, and we saw the troubles that he gave uh, to eventual eventual quarterfinalist Roger Federer, where he was likely going, well, okay, at least he was definitely in position to win that match. Uh, before he unfortunately slipped and got injured. Uh, Manorino also, um, he has Hubert Herkoch. He has Hubert Herkoch in round three. Uh, that is only if he can get through Tommy Paul, the number 30 seed. And when Herkoch and Manorino played in Melbourne, Hercotch was flummoxed. Like he had no idea what to do. He was absolutely lost on the court. I'm not exaggerating. Anyone who watched the match knows that's true. So, I mean, matchup wise, it's kind of a one that you circle. Like it's a red, it's a yeah, it's a it's a red pen circle. Like Manorino Herkoch can can Hubie get to the net. On a more regular basis, and is Manorino's low and slow baseline rhythm going to bother Hircotz, who doesn't love to generate, doesn't really love to generate his own pace? Is it gonna, is that going to bother Hircotz as much uh, once again? I mean, it is a it's going to be a very interesting thing to watch if we do get that. So, uh, Mainerino my dark horse. with a With a shout out to the fan. Upset alert is Pablo Carreño Busta. Uh, he still does not look right mentally to me. Uh, he is not has never been someone who has enjoyed uh, the grass courts either. Just doesn't. Uh, I don't think he's comfortable with the movement. I don't think he appreciates the low bounce very much either. Um, and for some reason. You know, he just, he hasn't looked good. And um, it's more his, uh, his struggles in just confidence and closing matches is my main concern for him. Round one, Dusan Lajevic, moderate difficulty. Round two, potentially Alexander Bublik or Marton Fucevic. High difficulty for an unseated player, for unseated players. Uh, so that's my upset alert. Uh, popcorn matches Herkoc versus Davidovich Fakina. It's the one that sticks out. You know, I don't give Davidovich Fakina as much of a chance as as most or or many kind of might, based on Fakina's name recognition and look his, his talent level. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of his talent level. But I just think that he's going to get served off the court against Hercotch. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think it will be a great match. But it should be entertaining. And it's definitely the obvious popcorn match in round one. All right. Uh, quarterfinal is Hubert Hercotch defeats Francis Tiafo. And, look, let me flesh out my opinion that I led off this quarter with. On the bottom half, you have Grigor Dimitrov... Cameron Nori and Hubert Herkach, debatably Adrian Manorino. Probably four guys who I might like better than anyone on the top. Now, look, you know, is it tough there? Like, if you're asking me, like, Manorino versus Rude, like, might I say, like, okay, like, yes, Rude begrudgingly, maybe, you know, maybe, but you kind of get my point here. Like the bottom half, there are a lot of guys who I feel pretty comfortable moving to the quarterfinal top half. It's just not the case. Like there's just not a lot to choose from. And I go with Francis Tiafo because I think at his best, when the game is firing, the firepower he has on the serve and the forehand. The flat backhand that he brings a lot of variety to the table with that is really aided by low bouncing grass. His hands at net. Good volleyer. Um, all of these things, I think Tiafo at his best, to me, is probably the best grass court player in the top section of this quarter. But his form is bad. He's in no form whatsoever. He's 0-2 in the grass court season. You know, with the exception of Esteril, he hasn't been able to really put anything together. He's one match under 500 in 2022. I think overall he's had a disappointing season. But uh, I'm giving him the nod and sending him to the quarterfinal. I also do like him in the best-of-five format. Um, I do think that He's looked impressive at Wimbledon before. It was actually a couple of years ago, 20, 2018, he was in round three and he was well on his way, I think, to uh, to reaching round four. And I'm gonna do a quick search to remember the opponent. But I remember he was he was cruising and he got a stomach bug that like completely debilitated him. Oh, he was playing Hatchinov, right? He was up two sets to love against Hatchinov and he got this stomach bug and just couldn't move and blew the two sets to love lead and lost to Hatchinov um, in 5. He was he was about to go to round 4 though. We know we beat Titi Pass last year made round 3. You know, there's enough there where I like Tiafo to make the quarterfinal, but ultimately I'm high on Hubert Hurkacz. I think his draw is bad. I think it's terrible. You know, Davidovich, Vakina round one. Manorino, round three. Uh, whether it be Dimitrov or Nori, round four. You know, both top 20 easily. Uh, both arguably top 15. Nori, I think, just misses it. But uh, that's tough. Like, Hurkacz has a bad draw. But I'm going to put faith in, in what I've seen from him. We've seen him run the table before, uh, and I, I love the way he's serving. I absolutely love the way he's serving. I think it's deadly um, the way he uses his backhand. Uh, I think he he moves well enough to hang in baseline rallies, and his forehand is looking better than it has uh, recently. So uh, I still put Hurkopf through to the semifinal. We're halfway there. Let's go to Stefano Tsitsipas' quarter. Um, Tsitsipas is in a section with Denis Shapovalov, Roberto Bautista Agut, and Filip Krajinovic. Matteo Berrettini is on the top half of this quarter. He is with Diego Schwartzman, Alex Di Minaur, and Jensen Brooksby. My dark horse in this quarter is Nick curios curios is on the Tsitsipas, is in the Tsitsipas section. That is a potential round three. I think curios is a better grass court player than Tsitsipas right now. That's how I feel. When they played in um, in Hala and I reflected it in my power rankings, You know, I don't think that's an upset in Hala. I think that's just a, a reflection of the level of Kyrgios's serve versus the level of Pass's return, I think that's a mismatch. And I think it's a mismatch that Kyrgios can exploit on this surface, plain and simple. Uh, so Nick is my dark horse. Um, now, eh, I'm going to save what I'm going to say for a little bit later. Nick's my dark horse. Upset alert. I have Denis Shapovalov and Jensen Brooksby. Uh, Chapo is the 12-seed last year's semifinalist. Uh, he gets Arthur Rindrik in round one. Very respectable round one opponent. I haven't heard much from Rindrik uh this year. So let me do a quick... Let me get his record because he's been awfully quiet, hasn't he? But uh, serves very big. Comes to net a ton. Oh, it looks like he's been injured. <laughs> I think that's why. He is... Um, Oh no. Never mind. He's 12 and 12 on the season. Tour level. So yeah, he's been fine. Uh, beat you go on bear in Stuttgart. So that's a decent grass court win. Um, yeah, aggressive player, big game, six foot five, big serve. Serves at like one thirty pretty regularly. Uh, and Chapeau, I just I just can't trust him right now. The decision making is bad. The control is just not good. The footwork is still inconsistent, and he's not putting balls on the court. Um, and I just, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith right now. Jensen Brooksby has lost his mojo and his confidence as well. Um, he's really struggling, and his first round opponent is mikhail kukushkin who's a nightmare on grass you know a a really long history from kukushkin of solid results at wimbledon results that exceed his general level as a player so I, I think that's one to that's a tough one for Brooksby as well. My early popcorn match, I did not see anything that stuck out to me in round one. So I had to go to round two. Uh, Alex Demonor versus Jack Draper. I think that should be an interesting one. You know, Draper is a player who could definitely build some buzz as as a, a British player at Wimbledon. Um, Demonor is also a player who I think will be really poised and, and motivated to have a, a big run here because uh, he loves the grass. And I I really think that Demonor is playing solid tennis in 2022 and confident tennis. And that's going to be a round two match that I think could be really excellent. A great contrast in styles too, with Draper being uh, the bigger hitter, the player who's going to try to get to net more and keep the points a little bit shorter. And Demonor, definitely someone who uh, can can use his scrambling on this surface and um, is far more mobile than Draper, but doesn't quite have the weaponry. Would be intrigued to see that one. Quarterfinal here is Berrettini defeats Bautista Agut. So, as I said, uh, let me begin with RBA. Um, first of all, RBA has really frustrated Kyrgios. Nick has not had any joy playing against Bautista Agut. Agut's got a good return of serve, and I think his—I um, I don't know exactly what it is—but I feel like his consistency has driven Curios crazy. Generally speaking, so uh, it's it's a three-one head-to-head. Uh, for for RBA, really two one though because Nick retired um, the last time they were they were due to play, so I'd say two to one. But it, it was not competitive at the U.S. Open last time they played, and I was at that match. Um, Berrettini is uh, is looking good here, you know. Now Damanor beat him in Australia earlier in the year, not at the Australian Open, but at the ATP Cup. Uh, however, I think Berrettini. Um, is just looking pretty upset proof and I think other than demonor I'm not you know I'm not prepared I certainly am not tempted enough to pick demonor over Berrettini. I do think that Matteo has uh, a pretty solid draw if you look at the vast majority of the names here I mean Brooksby as I mentioned his round three I don't think he's going to get there and uh, I don't think, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of top 50 names here. I mean, Bonzi is there. Um, Schwartzman is obviously a good top 15 seed to have. I think it's going to be Menor instead. So, yeah, it's a decent draw for Berrettini, and I move him through. Finally, we have Rafael Nadal's quarter. Rafa... Um, Rafa has Marin Chilich, Botik von Dezanschkel, and Lorenzo Senego. Felix Oje Aliassim is on the other half, um, in the other section. And he has Taylor Fritz, Holger Roon, and Dan Evans. This quarter is, uh, is very strong. It's very strong, and uh, Nadal Nadal uh, has not been done favors here, I don't think. My dark horse here is Jason Kubler. He's an Aussie. Uh, I have not put his game under a microscope, under a magnifying glass. I have not done that, but similar to... When I made Aslan Karatsev a dark horse at the Australian Open in uh, two years ago, I feel like Kubler's results are something that should really be taken notice of. Uh, something that, that has caught my eye and I respect it a lot. Um, he's on an absolute tear and he's got a... Somewhat favorable draw potentially as well, so it would not surprise me if Kubler makes some noise here. He's he's made back to back uh, challenger finals on the heels of Roland Garros, and then he's uh, qualified for Wimbledon. So um, that's that's a lot of wins. That's a lot of wins and only one loss in that final where he actually retired. So he hasn't lost match point in a really long time. I hear good things about the guy. Um, and, um, Kubler, Jason Kubler is my dark horse here. Uh, Lorenzo Sinego is my upset alert. Only, uh, yeah, he plays Dennis Kudla. You know, we know that Kudla's best on grass and, you know, Sinego actually has fared decently well at Wimbledon. Um, but he's still upset alert for, uh, drawing Dennis Kudla. My early popcorn is FAA versus Cressy round one, man. Uh, That's going to be one to watch. Look, Maxime Cressy, after having an incredible January, has not kept it up at all. And I think we've kind of seen that, like, he's probably not going to be a factor on most surfaces, Cressy. I could be wrong, but that's probably going to be the case. However, on grass, if he's confident... He, he can certainly be an issue um, as a serving and volleyer. And his volley skills truly are something else, truly are much uh, at, a, at a much more advanced level than we are used to seeing in nowadays tour. Um, I think his second serve can still be a little bit suspect And the double faults can come in under pressure, and I don't think that he—although he serves big, I don't know if his serve, when it comes to the spots and the variation, I don't think it's refined as as some of the other players who we like so much on grass, like Herkoc and Berrettini. Uh, But regardless, look, this is going to be a match where FAA um, gets no rhythm, no rhythm whatsoever. And we're likely to see some tie breaks, and it's likely to get tight. And if I'm FAA, I hate this. I hate this round one. So, man, keep an eye on this one. It's a tough draw for OJ Ali Asim. Um, and, and we got to see what it looks like. Uh, ultimately, though, I uh, Fritz Fritz is having a big week, and he's got a, a big serve and a Highly offensive game. I don't think he likes the low bounce, but ultimately, uh, Taylor. Taylor's somewhat dangerous at Wimbledon. Top 20. I'd power rank him top 20. Uh, Marin Cilic, I'd power rank him top 10. Von de Zanskulp, power rank him probably top 25. Uh, this is just a super strong quarter, but ultimately, here's what it comes down to. I still have Nadal. Defeating Felix Ojeali-Assim. Let me start with Rafa. Here's what it comes down to. Oh, and Sam Querrey, by the way, is Nadal's potential round two. That's not easy either. So you look at Querrey. You look at Chilich, You look at FAA. Ultimately, if Nadal is able to return serve, I don't think he loses any of those matches. He just needs to he just needs to put good returns in play. Um, and and I don't think any of those players are good enough to threaten Rafa if he's able to do that. So, you know, it comes down to like, look, gun in my head, is Nadal gonna get served off the court by Chilich? Is he gonna get served off the court by FAA? Served off the court by Query? And I don't think so. You know, look, so there's a very easy thing to focus on. There is going to be a barometer for Nadal's success and it's going to be, what does his return of serve look like? But if it looks fine, which I think it will, I think ever since Moya has taken the reins, his return of serve has been better on grass. Than when Tony was, was forcing him to stand in and try to take it early and it wasn't working. And the adjustment from RG to Wimbledon was just too drastic and it was not a good strategy. Ever since they've kind of gone back on that and Nadal has assumed a more comfortable return position, I think he's returning better. And I just don't think that any of these players, uh, or even if it's Fritz and not Chilich, let's say it's Fritz, um, I don't think any of these players can compete with Nadal if Nadal... Um, or unless they have incredibly high success rates on their first serve. That's my thought process. But I'm still high on FAA, um, and I think FAA should be really confident. Uh, We've seen the slam consistency from Felix. We've seen uh, how well he's competed against top players, including what could be a rematch against Rafa in the quarterfinal. And absolutely, Felix will be saying, "Well, well, look, If I competed that well against Nadal on the clay in Paris, then I have a great chance here at Wimbledon. I think that's going to be Felix's mentality. Do I think that 1 plus 1 is going to equal 2 in such a straightforward fashion? No, uh, not necessarily. I think Felix played just an outstanding level in that match, and I don't think it's a given that he is going to be able to bring that again. Not to mention, I think Nadal, when he was at his best, just, well, again, still still had the upper hand. There were kind of lapses in that match that gave Felix the the upper hands in the sets that he won. But anyway, uh, look, it, it would still be a very competitive quarterfinal. Great respect for, for what Felix might be able to bring to the table and challenge Nadal here. So, I'm ready to reveal my final weekend. And I'm going to do it all at once. So you're about to see everything, in three, two, one. Djokovic defeats Harkat in three sets. Nadal defeats Berrettini in three sets. Nadal defeats Djokovic in five sets. As far as the semifinals are concerned, I still believe there is a gap. There is a gap between the group of grass court players who we hold in very high regard. Herkacz, Berrettini, Felix, because they are elite servers. Elite. And against almost everyone in the entire field. That plus their ability, at least in Berrettini and Felix's case, to attack on the forehand. In in Herkacz's case, uh, his fantastic skills to to attack net and to do a little bit more... um, Defending and, you know, finding ways with his back end from, from the baseline and on, on return. Uh, look, you know, they, they all are tremendous grass court players. I still think that they are a tier below right now. When the when their serves come back, and I think they do against Nadal and, and Djokovic, I don't think any of those three players are ready to go toe-to-toe. To the extent that a Zverev or a Medvedev or a Tsitsipas on other on certain other surfaces, I think some of those guys on their good days they do go toe to toe. Or Alcaraz on certain days they do go toe to toe with Djokovic and Nadal. But but these grass court contenders, I, I don't feel that way about them, and that's why I I have no hesitation and I have full confidence. Picking Djokovic and Nadal over Herkacz and Berrettini, respectively. Now let me address the final. Nadal over Djokovic in five sets. I want to make this clear. If you were to say, Gil, one player can make the final. Djokovic or Nadal, who do you think is more likely to make the final? Without hesitation, I say... Novak Djokovic is more likely to make the final. No hesitation. There's fewer questions about his health. There are fewer questions about, I think, his um, his ability to be at his best in early rounds on slick grass against big-hitting opponents. He's got a way better draw. A way better draw. If you look at my power rankings... I have Nadal, in order to get to the final, having to go through four players who I power-ranked in the top four. Uh, Berrettini. Well, well, three players, I guess. Yeah, yeah, three players. Sorry. Uh, Berrettini, um, Chilich, and Felix. Three, to get to the final. Just to get to the final. Uh, Novak, only one. Only Hercoc and Alcaraz. So two. Sorry, two. Jeez. Um, so it's a, it's a tougher draw. It's a tougher draw. Do- not to mention that second round being Sam Query is a little bit, a good amount tougher than Djokovic probably being Tanasi Kokonakis. Um, anyway, I think Djokovic is more likely to get to the final. And easily, if there's an issue with Nadal's health or something like that, uh, Novak would quickly become the favorite. However, I think in the scenario where Nadal is in the final, um, it's not the the technical capabilities. Uh, I like Djokovic over Nadal on this surface when it comes to technical abilities. It's it's a mental thing for me here. I think that if these two played in the final, Nadal would be on such a rush. uh, I think that he would be playing with a lot of freedom. Uh, Making the Wimbledon final with the momentum of the two majors at his back. I don't think there would be. I don't think he would be putting a lot of pressure on himself. He would be really embracing that moment where uh, I do think that Djokovic would feel quite a bit of pressure. And that is an imbalance that I do think could tilt the scales towards Nadal, who I do think is probably, I think, has a better chance on grass against Djokovic than he does on hardcourt. I think the grass helps him. It helps his slice serve a little bit, his slice serve to the backhand. Um, His slice backhand that I think Nadal actually uses as a pretty important tactic against Djokovic. I think Nadal's um, ability to flatten the forehand down the line and how potent that can be at Wimbledon, I think is even even more of a weapon on the grass than it is on the hard court. I think that there are a couple of things where, as we saw in 2018 with Nadal kind of being right there with Novak, um, and I do think Novak has improved since 2018, mostly in the serving department. Um, I think that they're close enough in level where the pressure thing was convincing enough for me to go with Nadal here, to go with Rafa, who's been the best player in 2022. Uh, there's also a sense for me where I want to I wanna see it from Djokovic. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've seen Novak at his best at a slam, at his very, very best, his peak. Uh, don't think we saw it at Wimbledon last year. I thought he was feeling the pressure. He was much better. He's... You know, better than Shapovalov or Berrettini, I thought, uh, at 80%, 85%. At the U.S. Open, clearly wasn't at his best. Roland Garros, I did, he, he looked amazing. And then he just, I don't think it was his best performance against Nadal. You know, all these things, it's starting to be like, okay, you know, clock's ticking. I'd like to see it from Novak. So, Nadal, I've seen it a couple times already in 2022. That's why I'm going with Rafa here. Let's see if it comes to that. Should be a good event. I'll have coverage, as always, pretty heavily. Uh, It will be my focus over the course of the next two weeks, and I'm really looking forward to uh, breaking down these matches and um, covering this event. Of course, um, on Monday, take a look uh, or keep an eye out for the community tab because there will be the traditional first Monday of a major mailbag. Until then, Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.